are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Um, you know, our culture has evolved over the years. And uh, you take a look at, there's one time in life where we thought that the world was flat. You know, I remember reading a story in history about uh, uh, the whole culture thought that tomatoes were poison. And to, to prove that tomatoes weren't poison, this gentleman stands upon a, a set of stairs and he ate a whole case of tomatoes. And people thought he was going to start foaming in the mouth and this was going to happen. But he proved to the world that they were okay. Um, Hollywood has also changed over the time. You know, in 1939, the first movie ever became available with a swear word, and it was Gone with the Wind, when he says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And, you know, we look at that now, and really, if that word was to be in a movie today, it would probably be in a rated G movie or a PG for sure, because it's not something that is really serious. But as we know today, as we grow and we've seen movies... That, they, that really anything goes in Hollywood, and it's not a shock what is happening. Now, this movie, Friends with Benefits, is a fairly new movie, and uh, I was on Facebook, and there was a lot of, of my Christian friends who were talking about this movie, and uh, I went to Wikipedia, and I kind of looked at it a little bit, and I got the premise, and, you know, I don't know what the ending happens or anything like that. Maybe it all turns out for good, but basically the story is that girl there, I think her name's Jamie, and uh, she is a uh, recruiting officer, and, and she uh, finds this guy here who's looking for a job, and she gets him a job with GQ magazine, and they both uh, move to New York and live in New York, and they don't know anybody, so they become friends. And uh, one night, they're uh, watching a chick flick on television, and they're cuddling up on the couch, and then they start to talk about sex and say, you know what, sex is wonderful. Wouldn't it be so awesome if we could have sex without all the emotional garbage that's attached to it, with all the strings that are attached. Just have sex because we enjoy it, and uh, that, will be, that will be done like that. And they kind of make up this rule that, hey, let's do that. Let's become friends with benefits where there's, we don't have to worry about hurting each other's feelings. We don't have to worry about emotional stuff. We just walk in that place and, and enjoy the place of intimacy. Now, truly, that's not new for Hollywood, Holly's been showcasing movie with many mixed morals and ideas for years. The problem is that these ideas, these concepts, often change the way that people view right and wrong. Everything is questioned. Everything that I've been taught all my life, you know what, that, that we need to wait for sex, that sex is a gift from the Lord, and we need to wait to that place of marriage. And we sit there as, as Christians in today's society and, and we start to believe that, okay, well, the Bible says this, but all of our friends say, you know what, that's old school. Don't, you know, don't worry about that kind of stuff. You know, there's, that, that was written 2,000 years ago when there was no protection, there was no nothing. And all of a sudden in our Christian culture, we start to adapt and we start to say, yeah, you know what, that is old school thinking. Today is a new day and, and, and our ideologies start to change and they start to mold and they start to shift. And we allow compromise into our lives without even realizing it. I'd like to show you a little video this morning that I thought was really kind of neat from a guy named Francis Chan. This is arrogance. 
Look, in Isaiah 55, God says, your thoughts are not like my thoughts, and your ways are not as my ways. He goes, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's, that's how much higher my ways are than your ways. And that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts. So when we begin an argument with, well, I wouldn't believe in a God who would, who would what? Do something that you wouldn't do? Or think in a way that's different from the way you think? Do you ever even consider the possibility that maybe the Creator's sense of justice is actually more developed than yours? And that maybe His love and His mercy are perfect and that you could be the one that is flawed? See, when we make statements like, well, God wouldn't do this, would He? Do you understand, at that moment, you're actually putting God's actions in submission to your reasoning. You're in essence saying, well, God wouldn't think that way or act that way because I wouldn't act that way or think that way. And yet, if when I read the scriptures, man, all through this book, I go, God, there are some things you say that I would never say. There are things you do that I wouldn't think to do. I mean, even from creation, I go, so Adam and Eve sinned, and, and so you're going to put a curse on the earth? See, I wouldn't think to do that. And then there's other passages that are even more difficult for me to stomach, like Exodus 32, where the people sin, and God tells his priests, here's what I want you to do. I want you each to grab a sword, strap it to your side, and then I want you to run back and forth, and I want you to just start killing people. Some of them will be your brothers, your friends, because of this sin. And I'm reading that, and 3,000 people dying going, wow, did you just do that? Or to think about the story of Job and go, really, God? It, it seemed like he was one of, if not the most faithful man on earth, and you're going to have his family die? You're going to have all of his possessions take away. You're going to have him. You're going to let him be struck with these sores all over his body and suffering. And then I get to the cross and I go, really, God? These people have acted so wickedly. And so your response is going to be, I'll have my son, my perfect son, my only son, my beloved son, humble himself and take the form of one of these human beings. And I'm going to let these other human beings torture him, spit on him, nail him to a cross, and then you're going to have him pay for the crimes of everyone else? I go, I would never have thought to do that. See, my message this morning is not necessarily on Friends with Benefits, the movie, or Absence Before Marriage, but it's about taking a look inside and saying, Lord, as an individual, God, have I allowed 
my culture? Have I allowed my workplace, have I allowed my friends to influence my thinking, my thought processes, where I've got to that place and have allowed compromise into my life? See, we need to have a marker of sorts in our lives, a way to help us follow after what the Lord is desiring from us, to have a plumb line that will keep us in complete alignment to what the Word of God says. A plumb line is a simple tool used to determine whether or not something is perfectly vertical. If we are to be like it says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. Then we must possess something that is different from our neighbors, our coworkers, even our best friends. We have to stand out and be set apart from this world. You know what? You remember the story of Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew, and they were living together, and their, their flocks grew so much that they couldn't stay in one place anymore, and Abraham says to Lot, go ahead, you choose what land you want, and Lot goes and chooses the prime land, and goes and moves his possession there, moving to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as he moved into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, we know that it was a wicked city, in fact, it was so wicked that the Lord is like, that's it, I can't stomach the smell of this city anymore. I'm going to destroy it. And Abraham says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. Lot's in that city. Lord, Lord, surely you wouldn't destroy this city if there was 50 good men here, 50 righteous people. The Lord thinks about it. He says, okay, you're right. I won't destroy it for 50 people. And he says, Lord, okay, if you, if you wouldn't do it for 50, what about 45 Lord thinks about that. He says, okay, you know what? 45 righteous people, I won't destroy this city. And it goes on and on. 45, 30, 30, 20, 20 to 10. Will you destroy this city, Lord, if there's 10 righteous people? And the Lord says, I won't destroy it for 10 people. But unfortunately, in Sodom and Gomorrah, 10 people were not found. So the Lord, to spare Lot, sends angels to go and rescue him out of the city before the destruction goes. And as the angels come upon Lot, they say, you've got to leave this city. The Lord is going to destroy it. Do you remember the story of Lot? Do you remember what he does? See, he lackadaisically sits back and says, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, we've got to leave the city, but there's all kinds of but, 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 but. And three times the angels say, you got to get out, you got to get out. The Lord's going to destroy this till finally an angel grabs Lot by the hand and his family and says, come now. And pulls them out of the city. And again, if you remember the story, don't look back. Just go. The city's about to be destroyed. And as they're leaving, his wife turns around and look, one more last look at Gomorrah. And she's turned into a pillar of salt. The world is evolving. The world is changing. In fact, the Bible says in the end, and we're going to get into this, but in the end days, many will fall away. Many believers will fall away following false prophets. Why? Because something is off on our life where we truly don't know God. We truly don't know what the Word says, and all of a sudden, our eyes are deceived. We watch somebody or something that all these miracles are happening. We're like, you know what? This is the truth. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the power. 
And it gets perverse and it gets twisted, but we don't understand that and we fall away. My friends, God has given us each a brain to think and to reason. But be careful, when we start to think that the Bible is no longer relevant for our times, we're following into a big, dangerous path. You know, as each one of us are getting older, it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 80s, it's amazing how you look back upon your life and learn the life lessons that you learned. You know, it's amazing to watch my kids and maybe they'll start fighting over a toy and you're just like, guys, really, is this, is this worth biting someone for? Is this worth scratching someone for? It's a, it's a duck. And like, we have the adult comprehension to say, you know what, this is, this is silly what you're doing. And then I was thinking about when I was a teenager and I remember, I remember so clearly every single weekend on Monday coming onto the bus and hearing my friends and all my friends every single Monday said, oh man, I had the best weekend. I got so smashed this weekend. I got so hammered. It was so awesome. I had the best weekend ever. And all of a sudden, a desire in me, I want to have a good weekend. I want to experience what you're experiencing. My weekends are so boring. So I couldn't wait for mom and dad to get out of town so I can experience that. And finally, my opportunity came, and I said to my, my best friend, I said, Joe, I need you to get me drunk. He's like, no problem. And you know, I drank so much alcohol that day. I had three beers, a half a 40-ounce or a vodka straight, and some wine. I had so much alcohol that I truly should have had stomach poisoning. And I remember coming home at 2 o'clock in the morning, passed out, falling all over the road, sick all over the place. And it took me probably three days to recover from how I was feeling. And then I went to school on Monday. And I was just kind of like, oh, man, if this is what everybody says is fun, I will never do it again. What about the whole thing as a dad? The whole thing about pornography. You see, pornography is such a monkey on guys' backs. And ladies, sometimes we don't understand it. We think, what's wrong with me? Why am I not being that person for my husband? Why does he have to go to that place? You see, the truth of the matter is, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with him. What You might have something in your life, lying, cheating, whatever, and you want to be free from it, well, pornography is the exact same thing. And quite often, guys go into this place, and they go into this darkness, and and they, they go into this hiding place because there's just such a pull from that sin to be able to go into there. And as an older man now, somebody who struggled with that from a young age, I sit there and I say, God, please, Spare Lucas from that. Because God, I had to pay my bumps. I had to pay my I had to pay my dues. I had to go through that place where the guilt and the shame just falls upon you. Lord, I pray my son never, ever, ever struggles with that. God, take that out of my, my family line. You know, I remember my dad saying to me as a kid, you know, I remember we used to we used to get together and watch these pornos together. I'm like, seriously, Dad? 
Lord, would you remove that from our, from our lives, God? Because as an older man, somebody who now has struggled with that, I see the damage that it does to marriages. I see the damage that it does to lives. And I see the shame that is poured upon you. And I say, God, may Lucas never, ever, ever struggle with that, God. Please, Lord. And whoever you are, whatever it is in your life that is causing you just to, just to struggle and just to go on and go on and go on, the Lord wants to bring freedom to that very specific spot because the word says who the Son has set free is free indeed. But we need to walk in it. Because you see, what God does is he shines that light on us, but then the enemy pours shame upon us. There's no guilt, no condemnation through Christ Jesus. My heart is to see a family walk in the persons that Christ made us to be. And remember, in everything there's a balance. We can hear a message like this and be thinking, man, my spouse is fishing right now and he needs to be hearing this. Because this is for him, because I know what he struggles with. Afterwards, people coming up, is this being taped? Because you know what? I want to give this podcast out to 15 of my friends who need to hear this message. Because they have sin in their life and they need to get right with God. They need to make sure that that plumb line is established in their life. But you know what? Let's not ask about podcasts. Let's not be thinking, you know what? I hope my spouse is listening right now. But let's just take a moment and say, God, what is in my life? Lord, would you just shine that light upon my spirit and say, God, if there's anything in there that I've allowed the culture, that I've allowed society to adjust and to change, that, God, I want to stand before you clean, God. I want to come before you with clean hands and a pure heart. I want to be the man and the woman that you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Matthew 7, 3, 5 says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eyes? when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you to get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye, hypocrite? First get rid of the log in your eyes, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. You see, I think too as believers, we can sit there and go amen, 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 and then we go on witch chases to be able to make sure that everybody is in line with what this is saying and we miss the whole point of what God is trying to do. Just as one. They dressed me up like this. And this isn't my nose, it's a false one. Well? Well, we did do the nose. The nose? And the hat. But she's a witch. Did you dress her up like this? No! 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 Yes! Yes! A bit! A bit! A bit! She has got a wart. What makes you think she is a witch? 
Oh, she turned me into a newt. A newt. We got better. Galatians 6, 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, but share each other's burdens. And this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. Really, you're not that important. <laughs> I love that. The scripture truly, the scripture says, truly is a friend, uh, uh, this scripture truly is a friend with benefits. Someone who gently, humbly helps that person back on track. You know what? Remember what the word says? The word says we need to confess our sins one to another. I think, I think we forgot about that. You know, where, where light is, darkness cannot be. And if you walk in that place of accountability as a child of God, it is so important to have an accountability partner. You know, if I'm struggling with something and I'm just like, you know what, I don't want anybody to know why, because I have shame. And shame is being heaped on me and I don't want anybody to know who I am, so it's better for me to isolate myself and put on this mask of who I am. But yet what happens then is it just kind of moves in this whole thing that we may do good for a little while and then all of a sudden we fall into sin again. Why? Because we're doing it on our own strength and our own will. It's like a diet. You know what? That's it. I'm going to lose weight. On Monday I start and Monday comes. It's kind of like, oh, you know, when someone comes by with a pizza, it's like, oh, yeah, bring it on. And it's like, okay, next Monday I'm starting. You know, it's the same thing with sin. If we try to do it in ourselves and we try to do it our own strength, it is so difficult to be able to overcome that. But when all of a sudden we just say, you know what, Gord, I need to, I need to talk to you. You're my brother in the Lord and I need to share something with you. And I share with Gord. He now knows and he can hold me accountable where he can say weekly, daily, he can be praying for me and he can come up and ask me a specific question. I want to know this. And it's up to me whether I want to lie to the guy or if I want to be honest and be transparent like I promised him I would. You see, that's what the body of Christ is. Not running on these witch hunts saying, you know what, that is awful, burn them, burn them. But walking in that place where we can gently, humbly see people come into restoration. Imagine that. Imagine just, you know what, it's a long weekend, our numbers are down a little bit this morning. But imagine, just look around right now, imagine every single person in this room was completely restored healthy, and walking in that place that God called us to be. See, Jesus changed the world with 12 people. My friends, what is there in here? 70 maybe? Coal Lake, globally, would never be the same again because we start to walk in obedience to what the Holy Spirit asks us to do. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 5 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with, th- uh, with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, 
we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. You know what? This is a really, a, truly a scary scripture. For the Bible says that many will turn away from the faith. What does that mean? Does that mean that, that maybe we, we divide this line right here and this half here turns away and this half here doesn't? Does that mean that somebody who, who maybe has mentored us and taught us can fall away from the faith? My friends, if we don't have that plumb line, if we don't know God, if we don't walk in that relationship with Jesus, if we don't spend time in his word to say, God, is my life lining up with what you're saying? Then it's going to be so easy for us just to be blown away. Adversity is a difficult thing. And as we grow, as you know, we have a lot of new Christians here. We have a lot of people who are new in the faith, and those roots are shallow right now. And it's up to us to be able to water them. It's up to us to be able to encourage them to be getting into the Word, to be seeking the Lord, and those roots will go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then as the winds of adversity come, they'll be able to stand strong. But the truth is, is there's people who've been called believers for 40 years and their roots are still shallow. Why? Because we know God by here. We say that we know God by here, but truly, we are so busy that we don't allow time for the Lord to be able to do a work in our lives. Charles Spurgeon tells a beautiful story that he visited an old woman's house she was once a servant in the house of a very rich man who had passed away, and as a gift, he gave her a piece of paper. The old woman could not read, but thought that the design was so pretty that she framed it. When Charles visited this old woman, he looked at the framed piece of paper and realized that it was a check. The old woman never knew that she would never have to ask for another penny from anybody, or that her grandchildren would never go hungry again, and she was robbed because of her lack of knowledge." Don't let the devil rob you of the riches of the Lord because of your lack of knowledge. Because you're not knowing what is yours in Christ Jesus by the riches of his grace. Do not uh, only know your Bible, but spend time getting to know God in the Bible. John 1.1, I love that scripture. I am the word. What, how, where's, uh, open up to John 1.1 there, I don't want to mess this up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know, and to walk in that place and say, you know what, Jesus, you are the Word. You are the bread of life. Help me, Lord, to get to know you as my brother Jesus, as my Father God. Help me to be able to walk in that place, Lord, where I just call upon your name. Do you not only know your Bible, but, uh, 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 sorry, that you may grow in the knowledge of knowing Jesus and all that he has made available to you by his blessings and by his grace. In doing so, the word of God will dwell in you richly that you may know Jesus Christ has divinely and most graciously given you through the blessing of his divine exchange at the cross of Calvary. Know and live in the power of being a child of the living God. What happens when we struggle with something over and over and over and over again? You know what, I think that's a reality of the faith. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just allows us to be set free. And other times it takes a journey. 
And in that process and in that journey, that's when the, the, the devil pours and heaps that shame upon us. Shame is rooted in fear. And we walk in that place of this dungeon all of our lives because we truly don't want people to know who we are. We truly don't want to walk accountable. We don't want to expose ourselves because we don't want people to say, I knew that about you. Or, are you serious? I always thought you were this. But my friends, the Lord truly wants to set you free. He wants us to walk upright with our heads held high. He wants us to look totally different from the world. And as we walk in that place, can you just imagine what that's going to look like in Cold Lake? Because people are going to say, Lee, there's something different about you. What have you got, man? Because I know what you're going through, but yet you're walking in such freedom. How do you do it? And that opens up opportunities to be able to say, you know what, faith truthfully, the Lord is my light. He is the one who holds my head high. He is my hope. He is my rock. He is my deliverer. He is my fortress. You know what, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I just ask you, friends of God, who would like to take a moment to inquire of the Lord and say, God, what is in my life that is culturally okay, but not kingdom of heaven okay? Lord, on earth as it is in heaven in my life, let the biggest influence in your life be what you are becoming in Christ for eternity, not for what you feel, not what, what you want, not what everybody else is doing or what everybody else is doing in or outside of the church. You see, we can even have friends in the church who are like, just like, it's okay, let's go to the bar. Let's just go what we're doing. It doesn't matter. You gotta have that plumb line that just says, you know what? I wanna be set apart. I wanna be different. I wanna be all that God has created me to be. It's not a message with guilt and condemnation that says, oh, 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 you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. But it's a message for us just to say, God, is there anything in my life that is not appealing to you? And God, if there is, God, I want to yield it to you this morning, God, because, God, I truly want to be free. As we're seeking the Lord together, I just encourage you that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you just come up to the altar this morning and you just say, God, here I am again, Lord, at the altar. And, God, I want to lay this down on the altar. And you know what? Maybe I'm going to get some of our leaders to go and just lay their hands on you, but we're not going to ask you this morning, what are you praying for? Because that's up to you. That's up to you to be able to find someone and say, you know what? There's something in my life that I need to be set free from, and I wanted you to know because you're my brother. I need to confess my sin to you, brother. I need to confess my sin to you, sister. Remember, guys with guys, girls with girls. That's really important. And to walk in that place and just say, God, I want to be a new creation. You know what David, the man of worship, said, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God.
and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, I want to be the man that you've created me to be. I want to be the woman that you've made me to be. Let's just go into that place of worship and just ask the Holy Spirit to seek your heart. And if there's something this morning, then I just pray that you just come on up and just say, God, I'm laying this down today. Today is your day. In Christ's name. Is it 20, 27, Doug, or 29 years? 29 years. That's amazing how Catherine could put up with Doug for 29 years. <laughs> you know what? I know you guys are just uh, working there. If you guys can come together, I just want to pray a blessing over you, uh, before, you uh, before we get into this. Because 29 years truly is something to celebrate. Father, I thank you for Doug and Catherine, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they've been able to be a couple, Lord Jesus, that have made it 29 years. That is really rare. And Lord, may you just fill them up with your spirit. May you bless them as a couple, God. And Father God, may you give them 30 more beautiful years together to be able to teach Amen. and minister and witness the importance of marriage and the importance of sticking through together. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Would you close that door for me there? All right. Uh, the title of my message today is uh, Friends with Benefits. You know, uh, there has been a lot of talk about this movie, and, uh, you know, I was, I was on Facebook the other day, and a few of my friends were discussing this movie and this kind of thing, and uh, I thought this would be a great message to be able to speak on this morning. Um, you know what? Hollywood really has painted pictures for us, and our cultures and our, our, our whole life truly has evolved over the years, hasn't it? You know what, I, I remember reading in our history books about a time when, when people thought that the world was flat. I remember in history, about a, uh, my history class, a story about when the, the whole world thought the tomatoes were poison and if you ate a tomato you would die. And how a man took a whole crate of tomatoes and stood on the hall, town hall and ate a whole box of tomatoes and people thought he was going to foam in his mouth and kick over. But you know what? Because of that, we understand that tomatoes are okay. You know, as we grow and, and as we learn and as we gain knowledge as we get older and as the, as the uh, technology grows, Hollywood also changes too, doesn't it? You know, in 1939, the very first movie that had a swear word in it came out, which shocked the world. It was Gone with the Wind when, he, when, she ended with, when he ended with, frankly, my dear, I just don't give a damn. And people were like, how in the world can you say that word in a movie? But yet today, if that word was in a movie, you know, truly it would be probably a rated G or PG type of movie. 
Today, Hollywood allows anything in movies. And I, I went to Wikipedia, and I was learning a little bit about this movie, and I found out that the girl there, her name is Jamie, and the guy's name is Dylan. And Jamie is a recruitment officer for some kind of a job, a job placement place, and she gets Dylan a job with GQ magazine. And then as she gets them the job, he moves to New York. They don't know anybody in New York, so they become friends. And one day, as they're, uh, as they're buddies, they're, they're cuddling up on a couch, and they're watching a chick flick. And then after the chick flick is over, they get into a conversation about, you know what? Sex is wonderful. Wouldn't it be so awesome to be able to have sex without strings attached, without being emotionally attached, which all the, with the, to be able to bypass all the garbage that comes from dating and sex and all that kind of a thing? And as I heard this, you know what, it really isn't a shock where Hollywood goes. It's really not the first film that has shown anything like this. But I really started to think about our culture. And as our culture grows and as our culture develops uh, or develops even, how, how things can come into our lives as believers that may be pro-cultural but yet anti-God. Anti how we can allow things into our lives, and because culture, because our friends, because the news, because Hollywood, because society says, yes, this is okay, we can say, you know what, really, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, and when it was written, again, something like this, there was no protection back in the day, but there's all kinds of protection right now, and as long as we're having fun, as long as we're happy, isn't that what God wants? But the truth of the matter is the Bible is the only book that has withstood the test of time. And we have to be able to have the Bible in that place where it truly, as believers, is our authority. It can stand in that place and say, you know what, although the world says this is okay, I know that it's not. But I think sometimes we look through the Bible and says, you know what, I believe the whole Bible except that little scripture right there. You know what, that one doesn't really apply for today. And I think God wants to challenge us and say, guys, it's time for us to be able to establish a plumb line in our life. It's time for us to be able to stand in that place where it's like, you know, Lord, I know what is right and I know what is wrong. And even though society says this is right, I know my word, I know my God, and I know what I need to stand for. I have a little video clip this morning that I want to show you. This is arrogance. Look in Isaiah 55, God says, your thoughts are not like my thoughts, and your ways are not as my ways. He goes, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's, that's how much higher my ways are than your ways. And that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts. So when we begin an argument with well, I wouldn't believe in a God who would, who would what? Do something that you wouldn't do? Or think in a way that's different from the way you think? Do you ever even consider the possibility that maybe the Creator's sense of justice is actually more developed than yours? and that maybe his love and his mercy are perfect and that you could be the one that is flawed. See, when we make statements like, well, God wouldn't do this, would he? 
Do you understand? At that moment, you're actually putting God's actions in submission to your reasoning. You're in essence saying, well, God wouldn't think that way or act that way because I wouldn't act that way or think that way. And yet, if when I read the scriptures, man, all through this book, I go, God, there are some things you say that I would never say. There are things you do that I wouldn't think to do. I mean, even from creation, I go, so Adam and Eve sinned and and so you're going to put a curse on the earth? See, I wouldn't think to do that. And then there's other passages that are even more difficult for me to stomach. Like Exodus 32, where the people sin and God tells his priests, here's what I want you to do. I want you each to grab a sword, strap it to your side, and then I want you to run back and forth. And I want you to just start killing people. Some of them will be your brothers, your friends, because of this sin. And I'm reading that and 3,000 people dying going, wow, did you just do that? Or to think about the story of Job and go, really, God? It, it seemed like he was one of, if not the most faithful man on earth, and you're going to have his family die? You're going to have all of his possessions take away? You're going to have him? You're going to let him be struck with these sores all over his body and suffering? then I get to the cross and I go, really God? These people have acted so wickedly and so your response is going to be, I'll have my son, my perfect son, my only son, my beloved son humble himself and take the form of one of these human beings. And I'm going to let these other human beings torture him, spit on him, nail him to a cross, and then you're going to have him pay for the crimes of everyone else? I go, I would never have thought to do that. My message this morning is not necessarily on abstinence, but it says believers it's standing in that place and saying, God, will you check my life? Lord, if there's, is, is there anything in my life, God? Is there anything at all, God, that doesn't line up with your word? Is there any action, anything that I've believed because the world says it's okay that I've said, you know what, it's okay. And I've started running down a path that is a path that really leads to death. See, we need to have a marker of sorts in our lives, a way to help us to follow after what the Lord is desiring from us. We need to have a plumb line that will keep us in complete alignment. What is a plumb line? See, a plumb line is a, is a tool for measurement. It's simply used to determine whether or not something is perfectly vertical. If we were like it says in Romans 12 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We must possess something that is completely different from our neighbors, from our coworkers, from maybe our best friends. What sets you apart? See, because the Bible says that we are a chosen people, we are set apart. But are we? Do we look different? Is there something different within our lives? 
that sets us apart? Is there something different that causes people to look at us and say, you have something that I want? Or are we just so comfortable with blending in and just sort of hiding in that place where we fit in? See, do you remember the story of Lot? See, Lot was Abraham's nephew. And Abraham and Lot lived together, and their flocks grew and their family grew such to a massive number that they had to part ways. So Abraham says, Lot, take a look at the land. You get first pick. Choose what you want. And he chose a portion. He chose the best portion, and he went and moved his flock there. See, but the problem was is that Lot moved to a place called, called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a very wicked city. In fact, it was so wicked that the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm sick and tired of what's happening over there. I'm going to destroy that place. And, and Abraham goes, wait a minute, God. Lot is there. Lord, surely, surely you don't mean you're going to destroy it. He says, yeah, I'm going to destroy this city. It, it, it's a stench to my nostrils. So he says, okay, but, but, but God, think about this. If there are 50 righteous people in this city, will you spare this city? And the Lord says to his friend, Abraham, he says, you know, Abraham, I will. If there's 50 righteous people, I will spare the city. He goes, okay, God, you'll spare it for 50. He goes, Lord, what about 45? Would you spare it for 45? And the Lord says, yes, Abraham, I would spare it for 45. He goes, really? He goes, how about 30? He says, yeah, I would spare it if you, if you find 30 righteous people there. He says, okay, he'll do it for 30. Lord, what about 20? Would you spare the city if there's 20 righteous people? And the Lord says, yes, Abraham, I would. And he says, Lord, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be a, a bug, but let me ask you one more time. Would you do it for 10? For 10 righteous people? And the Lord says, Abraham, I would. I would spare that city for 10 righteous people, but they couldn't find 10 righteous people. So what does, Abraham, what does the Lord do? He sends angels to get Lot out of the city before it's destroyed. But if you read the story in Genesis, what happens is the angels come and they say to Lot, you gotta get out of here. God is gonna destroy the city, you gotta go. And Lot sits back in a place of being lethargic. He sits back lassadaisically and says, yeah, okay, you know what, come on. I gotta gather up some stuff. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And the angels say again, come on, the Lord is gonna destroy the city. We gotta go, we gotta get out of here now. He's like, yeah, 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 I will. I just gotta do, I just gotta just hold on a little bit. Till finally, the angels grab them by the hands and take them out of the city. And when they take them out of the city, they said, you know what, don't even look back. This city is gonna be destroyed. And as they're looking back, Lot's wife turns around to take one more look at the city. And she turns into a pillar of salt. That was back in the day. And I look at culture today and I say, you know what, Lord? Are we much far off of where Sodom and Gomorrah really was? God, what makes us different? You know what, Lord, can you, can you find God 40 righteous people, 30 righteous people, 10 righteous people? God, we need you, Lord. My friends, God has given us a brain to think and to reason, but be careful, for when we start to think that the Bible's no more relevant for today, we run into troubles, don't we? You know, 
every single person in this room, we're getting older. And isn't it amazing how we get older and we see perhaps the generation that has come up behind us? You know, maybe you're 30 and you're looking at a 20-year-old, or maybe you're 20 and you're looking at a teen. Maybe you're a teen and you're looking at a child. And you think that, you know what, some of, the, some of this issue, some of the things that we struggle with are so foolish. You know, like being a dad, I see, I see kids sometimes, and they fight over the toy. They fight over the duck. And, you know, maybe, maybe little Liberty, you know, she wants that duck so bad, so she'll go and she'll bite the person because she wants that duck. And it's like, Libby, are you serious? You bit that kid over a duck? Come on. It's foolish. It doesn't make sense. But to her, it's like, that's my duck. Nobody touches my duck. We laugh, but yet as we get older, does it really change? You know what? I remember being a teenager. You know what? One of the things that I remember is every single Monday when I would drive on the bus, I had a, for school, I went to a school of the arts, and I had an hour and a half bus ride one way every day. And as I was on this bus every single day, we'd go on the bus and all the kids would come on it. And every single Monday, every one of the kids would get on the bus and say, oh man, I had the best weekend ever. I got so drunk. It was so awesome. And I'm like, you know what? I never even got into alcohol. I'm like, man, I am missing out. I mean, oh, and I would listen. I would hang on to their every words. Tell me, tell me what happened when you got drunk and they painted a utopia. I'm like, oh man, I want that. I want that in my life. So finally, after, after perhaps years of hearing that, I got the house to myself and mom and dad went to Ottawa for a weekend. And I turned to my friend, I said, okay, this is my weekend. Get me drunk. So my buddy, he's like, I can do that for you. So I put a funnel in my throat and poured three beers down there. He says, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't feel any difference. So he gave me a, a 40 ounce of vodka and I drank half of it. He's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't feel any different. He's like, seriously. He's like, here, take some wine. I started chugging down wine. And I had so much alcohol, I probably should have had my, I don't know how I live to be honest with you. Because I was home alone, and, and, I, and then I passed out at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I walked home, and as I walked home, I, 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 I was sick all over the road, and I, and I got home, and, and that was on Friday night, and I was sick until Monday. And when I got back and I got on the bus, I was like, you know what? If this is what you guys call a good time, I will never do this again. But yet, I hear teenagers today saying the exact same thing. I hear 20-year-olds saying the exact same thing. I can't wait to go get drunk. I just can't wait to go and do this. And it's kind of like, Lord, that is such an empty life. What about friends with benefits? What about sex? What about pornography? You see, if... If, the, if it makes you happy, if you can do it in private and you're not hurting anybody, what's the big deal? You know what the big deal is? I try to tell the youth as a youth pastor for 14 years, I try to paint a very graphic picture for them. You know what the big deal is? The big deal 
is that one day as you grow, you're going to get married. And when you get married, you're going to carry a whole lot of baggage into your marriage that is not built on love, but is built on perversion, is built on lust. And it will totally affect your marriage. We think that it's just a, a moment of pleasure. It's just something that it's not hurting anybody, but it's killing you. I know. I struggled with it. And as I struggled with it, it took Cindy and I years to be able to break things, years to be able to say, God, will you renew my mind and give me something that is pure and clean? And I tell you, sex is absolutely amazing. But it's with one person, and it's for, a, it's for an eternity until death do us part. When you're doing this stuff in the background, when we, as believers, and you know what, let, let me just clarify this. I know, I know pornography is not a guy thing anymore. It's guys and girls. But a lot of ladies don't understand it. We, they think that it's just kind of like, especially wives, it's kind of like, how in the world can you be doing that when you have me? Why would you be going down that road when I'm right here? Do you not find me attractive? Do you not love me anymore? Let me just breathe the truth on this. It's got nothing to do with that. It's an addiction. It is a crutch. It is a monkey on your husband's back. Be patient with him. Pray with him. Break it. Because whether it's pornography, whether it's, whether it's lying, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's gambling, we need God to set us free. And who the Son has set free is free indeed. But you see, what happens is when we hide in there and we don't tell anybody what's going on because we don't want to be exposed as frauds. We don't want people to know what we're wrestling with, what we're dealing with, because somebody might be disappointed with us. What happens then? We carry around shame. Shame is one of the biggest tools of the enemy, and shame is rooted in fear. There's something supernatural that happens. See, the Bible tells us to confess our sins one to another, but yet we don't even, we don't even talk about that anymore. So what happens, this is my brother-in-law, Graham. When I take Graham and I say, Graham, you know what? I need you to walk in accountability with me. I need you, you know, guys with guys, girls with girls, husbands and wives, standing in that place of honesty and integrity and saying, this is who I am. This is what is in my life. Will you not throw me away as a believer, but will you pray for me? Will you ask me those tough questions? Will you walk with me? My friends, it doesn't matter what journey of life you are. We all have issues that we need to work out. We all have issues that we need to go to the cross on. When you get angry, who do you turn to? Do you turn to alcohol? Do you turn to fighting? Do you turn to yourself? Do you turn to a best friend? What about when you're sad and depressed? Who do you turn to? If the answer is honestly not the Lord... We're missing out on something. We need to have one another to be able to come alongside, ask me those questions, and then it's up to me. Do I want to be honest or do I want to put that mask on and say, yeah, everything's fine? 
If we're going to walk confessing the sins one to another, we have to walk accountable and we have to be truthful and honest to one another. Then that begins the restoration process. Don't allow shame to put you in that prison. Because if you allow shame to say, you know what, I don't want anybody to find out what I'm struggling with, you're crazy. We're missing it out because everybody is struggling with something. We all wrestle, but we wrestle not with flesh and blood, we wrestle with principalities. So it's so important to have a brother, a sister come alongside. And guys, listen to me, we don't wanna do this guys with girls because then you're, you're setting yourself up because then you're getting this emotional attachment to somebody who's not your spouse, somebody who is not your, your, your counterpart. So it's really important to have guys talk to guys, husbands talk to wives, you know what, not put any of these walls in there, but to have that, that relationship where it's just kind of like, will you walk with me? Can I be real with you? Will you commit to praying for me? Will you stand in that place where, where, I will, where I give you my word, I will be honest, and we're gonna break some things in my life because where darkness thrives, light is not. But when we shine light into the darkness, darkness is no longer there. But you see, there's a flip side to this, isn't there? See, my heart is to see families. We're a place of family where families come together. My, we want to see families walk in that place that Christ has made us to be. Now, in the balance of this is we can hear a message like this, and all of a sudden we start to think, oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here listening to this because they need to hear it. Oh, pastor, is this going to be on the website because I'm going to burn 15 copies of this and hand it out to all my relatives because they are struggling. Or, oh, you're just sitting there and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you look over and your spouse is maybe looking off in the, the side of the wall and you give them a little nudge and say, hey, you need to be listening to this because I know you. My friends, it's not about your spouse. It's not about your friends. It's not about your kids. This morning, it's about us. It's about you. Lord, will you show me what's in my heart? God, would you show me if I've allowed the culture to be able to influence who I am? Would you show me, God, if my plumb line is completely vertical or, God, am I missing it? Matthew 7, 3, 5 says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to a friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. See, before we go running on a witch hunt and saying, you know what? I need to make sure that people hear this message. We need to stop and say, Holy Spirit, will you examine my heart? May we burn, huh? Who do you know she is a witch? She looks like one. Bring her forward. I'm not a witch, I'm not a witch. Uh, but you are dressed as one. They dress me up like this. Wow. And this isn't my nose, it's a false one. 
Will? Well, we did do the nose. The nose? And the hat. But she is a witch. Did you dress her up like this? No! 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 no. no. Yes. 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 A bit. A bit. A bit. A bit. She has got a wart. What makes you think she is a witch? Oh, she turned me into a newt. A newt. We got better. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right track and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, but share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself for really you aren't that important. Isn't that amazing? This scripture here talks about friends with benefits. You want to have a friend with a benefit? Again, the world likes to take everything and taint it. A friend with a benefit is someone to walk beside us and to say, you know what? I love you more than I want to see you stay in that place. I have struggled with that and I want to see freedom to come into your life. This is what God did for me. And then as we grow, that other friend, as they grow and get healthy, then they pour into your life. It's never, ever a one-way track. Friends, helping friends, walking together in that place of life, that truly is a friend with a benefit. This is a really scary scripture. It says... In 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 5, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites, it's liars, and their consciousnesses are dead. They will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject it, any of it because, uh, because we receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. Why is that a scary scripture? Because it tells us in the end times that people, believers, will fall away. You know what? You take a look at a, at a, at a room like this, and let's say all of a sudden we divide it right down the middle, and boom, this side here who we love and we, we know them, they fall away in the faith because they don't know who their God is. My friends, we have to know him. We have to have relationship with God. We have to walk in that play, place of knowing the word, but more than just knowing the word, we need to know who God is. God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to walk with us through the hard times and through the good times. God wants to see health come into our lives. And my heart's desire is to see that every single person who is in this room at that time, in the end days, if we truly are in the end days, that none of us fall away from what God has for us. We need friends. We need support. We need to spend time in the word. We need to spend time in prayer knowing who God is. That is is where we need to be. God is so faithful. God is so wonderful. Charles Spurgeon tells the story 
so beautifully of the time he visited an old woman's house. She was once a servant in the home of a very, very rich man. He passed away and gave her a piece of paper. The old woman could not read, but she thought the design was very pretty, so she framed it. When he visited the old woman, he looked at the framed piece of paper, and it was a check. The old woman never knew that she would never have to ask for a penny from anyone or that her grandchildren would never ever go hungry again. She was robbed because of her lack of knowledge. My friends, don't let the devil rob you of your riches of the Lord because of your lack of knowledge, because of you not knowing what is yours in Christ Jesus by the riches of his grace. Do not only know your Bible, but spend time getting to know the God of the Bible that you may grow in knowledge, knowing Jesus and all that he has made available to you by his blessings and his grace. In doing so, let the word of God dwell in you richly that you may know what Jesus Christ has divinely and most graciously given you through the blessing of the divine exchange at the cross of Calvary. Know and live in the power of being a child of the living God. See again what happens over and over and over again is as believers, when the Lord, we hear a message like this, especially when we have something that we've asked God to forgive us of a hundred thousand times. We get to the place where we just like, God, I don't know why I can't get set free of this. And Lord, I don't know why I keep coming back to this place. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe I just, maybe God, you just don't love me. And we listen to what the enemy is saying to us and we drink the cup of shame. Do you know the Holy Spirit never gets tired of saying, Father, forgive me? What will help you in that is prayer and fasting, saying, Lord, I want to take dominion over this specific issue and to find an accountability partner who can shine that light upon your life. See, the Bible says we need to confess our sins one to another. We need to get to that place where it's just like, God, I truly want to be different. I truly want to be set apart, and I don't want to blend in. Because, Father, those people that I've been praying for in private, they need to see who I am. They need to see who I am through Christ. For we are a new creation. Shame is rooted in fear. And this morning, I just take authority over fear. Fear, you have no place in here. For Lord, your word says that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and of sound mind. And again this morning, maybe it is standing up and saying, you know what? Let's be honest this morning. I'm struggling. Let's be honest this morning. I got a monkey on my back. And I don't want it anymore. See, this morning I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to ask you in a, in a minute here for everybody just to stand to their feet. And as we stand to our feet, would you just enter into that place of worship? And whether you sing or not, it doesn't really matter. But just to, to focus on the Holy Spirit and say, God, 
I give you my heart. I give you my life, God. And if there's anything, Lord, that I have allowed culture in there to taint my thinking, then God, I need to come before you right now in repentance. Whether it's gambling, alcohol, drugs, perversion, lying, fear, jealousy, gossip, bitterness. God, will you take it all, God? Because who can come before the mountain, those with clean hands and a pure heart? God, will you purify my heart? Will you make me just like you? Jesus took 12 people and changed the world. We got over 100 people in here right now who are listening to this message. Imagine what would happen if we all grasp this, where we all realize that God, we try to hide because we don't want to be exposed. But the truth is, is every single one of us struggles with things. We are an imperfect people, but we have a perfect Savior who paid the price. And that gives us access to the very throne room of God where we can say, here I come again, Lord. God, will you change me? God, will you mold me? God, will you shape me? Will you shift me? And then as we focus on the Lord in worship, and as we get into that time of saying, God, examine my heart, Lord. As Holy Spirit speaks to you, I just ask you to have the courage this morning to come up to the front. Not for a, a feather in my cap, but there's something supernatural that takes place in the altar of the Lord. Where, man, we got these 500 watt lights that are up here. And it's just kind of like a symbolic thing that the, the, the light of the Spirit is shining upon us. And we say, God, I want you to expose me, God. I don't want to thrive in darkness anymore, but Lord, I want to walk in the light. And as we do that, I'm going to get people, some of the leaders to come and pray with you. But they're not going to ask you this morning what you would like prayer for. Because that's your job. You need to find somebody to stand with you. You need to find somebody to hold you accountable, to walk in accountability with you. This morning is just to have someone stand with you and pray with you and say, brother, sister, it doesn't matter what you're up here for, whether it be fear, whether it be pornography, whether it be lying, whether it be uh, uh, gambling, anything, Lord. But God, I want you to take my heart, Lord, purify it like the psalmist David said, Lord, um, uh, change my heart, O oh God. Create in me a new heart, O oh God, and renew a right understanding. When we walk in that place and say, God, I give it all to you. Will you stand this morning? And then as Holy Spirit shows you, will you come in Jesus' name? hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.